Welcome to the Kingsley Grant Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. Kingsley believes his leadership paradigm, emotelligence, the art of succeeding where others failed, is the key to achieving this status. On this show, Kingsley guides you through the uncharted waters of emotional intelligence and leadership essentials, with the guarantee that upon exit, you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kingsley Grant, behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another show. And today we are going to discuss about the term strong leader or strong leadership and how that could be misleading. Is it Kingsley misleading? How so? That has been around forever. And I know people who are strong leaders. Okay, well, I'm not going to be in a debate about this. I simply want to raise an issue or try to have us revisit this whole this term, strong leader. And, and here's where I'm coming from. And I want you to kind of follow my thought process and bear with me, be patient as I try to unpack what it is I'm thinking and how this term could be misleading, misguided, and even sometimes deceptive. So here's where we're going with this. I know the term, the, the, sorry, the word strong leader, I, I, it denotes in people's mind different things, right? Everyone have their definition or their the idea of what a strong leader looks like. There is not a universal definition that fits any one person because what would be considered a strong leader in one part of the world is not the same in another part of the world. So who is right on that? How did we come to that that, um, not definition, but how did we kind of juxtapose those two words, strong and leader? And, and, And what does that really mean? What is it that we are trying to say? Number one, I believe that it's really a lazy way of describing a leader. It's a lazy way of describing a leader. Why? Because it does not say much. It actually doesn't say anything when you tell me that person is a strong leader. Okay, based on what criteria? What makes him or her a strong leader? I have no idea how that person earned that title. And, and, and so we've got to be, then begin to think about what is it we're trying to say about that leader. And, and here's where I, f- I think it's misleading because not just the words or the phrase or the description, the, the adjective describing the leader, but for those who are Hearing that term, they in their mind, based upon what they see, can come to their own conclusion of what that means. 
And now they take that meaning that they have come up with and they run with that. They grow up and now they become a leader. And guess what? That is now what they, their idea of a strong leader is, is what they saw, is how they heard the term applied to that person. And now they now take what they saw and heard and try to imitate that in their leadership. And sometimes it is detrimental. Sometimes it's very harmful for those they're now leading. I'll give you a prime example of this. I grew up in Jamaica, and you probably know that by now. Even when you hear me say the Jamaican microphone, that is probably a giveaway. Hopefully so. I'm, I'm proud to be a Jamaican. I'm proud to be an American. And in growing up in that culture, my dad, or fathers really in a whole, including my dad, would be considered strong leaders. And here is what that was based upon. It was based upon harshness. It was based upon rigidity. It was based upon firmness. It was based upon a lack of emotional connection. And these were just some of the things that described that kind of leader. So I grew up in that environment. Now, not every dad were this way. So I'm not trying to say that this is true of every dad or every leader that I knew in Jamaica. There are exceptions to everything, and I get it. But what I saw, the lack of connection and, and sometimes lack of empathy from my father towards us as children and also to his our mom, his wife. And, and that's all I saw. That's all I knew. And guess what? When I became my own, an adult, and I had my own children, I found myself defaulting to that kind of leadership because I thought that was the way it ought to be. And therefore, a lack of showing emotion made me strong according to that definition crying and being empathetic and sympathetic, that was the last thing that I wanted to do because it did not fit the, the, the adjective of the term strong leaders. Strong leaders don't show their emotions. That is the message that is being sent from those who are in that position and want to project this sense of strength and so they hide behind their behavior sometimes in some places violence and just cruelty harshness that is what they hide behind and the term strong leader is assigned to them and that's kind of sad because that kind of leadership only reproduces after its kind. And what happened is, it's not the most, well, let's put it this way. It's not the most effective way of motivating people. It get people to do things because they may have no other choice. But 
it's one of those things I talk about in my new book, The Immortelligent Leader. I gave the story of a little boy who, whose dad had demanded that he sit down. His dad, you know, barks the order out, sit down. And the little boy slowly sat down in his chair. But he looked at his dad as he sat down with a look. If looks could kill, that one would. And then the little boy was asked, what were you thinking when you were sitting down after your dad told you to sit down in such a harsh manner? The little boy said, I sat down on the outside, but I was standing up on the inside. <laughs> and, and so that is a way many leaders may get people to do things, but how are they doing it? Are they doing it with 100%? Are they giving their all? Are they just giving what they can just to get by, just to show that they are in compliance because they have no choice in that matter? Given the choice, they would probably be out of there or given the choice, they would be out of there as quickly as they can. And that happens all the time. So it again, because there's no universal definition of this term, it can be misleading, misguided. And then it perpetrates a kind of leadership relationship with those they're leading that is not one based upon the research that gets the best results, leads to more productivity, leads to team cohesiveness, leads to harmony, leads to, you know, you, you name it. Quite the contrary happens when that kind of leadership is being employed. And therefore, the, here's what the second part of this now happens. You find leaders who are made of that kind of cloth. You find those leaders who lack emotions. They lack an awareness of what emotional intelligence is all about. They miss the point because based upon the studies and the research and backs this up, that people who are high in emotional intelligence, who are self-aware and they self-manage, are higher, they're higher performers, right? And in my book, The Immortelligent Leader, Succeed Where Others Fail and Become the Leader Everyone Loves and Wants to Follow. I talk about this, these very principles and I, I share how based upon you know, the research is in the book as well. But I talk about the fact that leaders who see, when they hear the word emotion, they immediately think emotional. Again, from a culture from Jamaica, I, I grew up where, again, boys don't cry. And, and so showing your emotions is not something you do. We would hold that in. We would tough it out, as we were told. Tough it up. Be a tough. Be, be strong. Come on, you got to be that kind of person. And so it caused us to miss the connection that's so vital for motivation, for connection, for relationship, for, for the things that matters 
where people feel as if they want to give their best self to that leader. And you can now see where I, I challenge this, and I want us to, re- to revisit and rethink. When I say earlier about the lazy part is this, a person could say a leader, you know, I admire that leader because he or she have withstood the pressures that has come against them, the onslaught of the media, the onslaught of the, you name it. They have withstood that. I admire them because in the face of persecution, in the, per, in the face of brutality, okay, they've stood the test of time. I admire that leader because he or she have prevailed against whatever. Now, that is a definition where I can decide whether to, to, to assign the word strong beside their name or simply say, and I admire, that's courageous. That is, that is something that I want to mimic. Say, so now I can associate my behavior whenever I face difficult times, I look at their lives. Now that is something that makes me want to be like that person. But just throw the word strong later because of my laziness or being lazy to not take the time to to really give the context on which I'm basing that. It robs others of this opportunity to know how to lead like that leader led. Okay? It takes that away. But it also gives that person a label, a title that undermines and minimize what they did. My idea then would be, like, for example, I, in my book, The Immortalogent Leader, I hope your understanding of the implication is it has to do with intelligence and emotions because that's where the word immortalogence comes from is taking the word emotion and intelligence and putting them together, right? And then you get the word immortalogence which means the art of succeeding where others failed. So when I give that definition and then I add the word, I, I give the word immortalligence, people now understand the context. But when the strong leader is used, it's relative, right? It means really nothing, basically. So I just say it's a lazy way on some people's part, but not just that. It sets up people for failure, it sets up people for um, to, to continue a behavior that really ought to be challenged. It could be wrong. My dad, the way he treated us, again, I'm not here bashing my dad because he only did what he did based upon what he knew. And most people are that way. They don't know another way. What happened, though, is this, that when we use that phrase, that term, we only allow those people to continue to behave in a manner that could be modified if they were basically basically given an opportunity. So all around, people are being robbed. I want us, as we start rethinking this whole idea of leadership, 
And one of the reasons behind this, my podcast, is to bring these things into the arena of conversation, to have a dialogue, to simply say, let's not just accept things because it's always been done that way. That's why one of the reasons when I tell people about my book and they ask the question, what's different about your book when it comes to leadership than all the other leadership books that's out there? What's different about your book that has to do with emotional intelligence than all the other emotional intelligence books that are out there? I still say this. They are wonderful books. As a matter of fact, I've learned so much from them. But the difference between that, those books and mine is mine is a convergence, is the hybrid, is the intersection between of emotional intelligence skills and leadership skills all meet in that one central spot. I've taken that and say, what if we have a continuum where leaders are constantly doing both, not one or the other, and you know, in a, a manner of one day leadership skills, the next day emotional intelligence skills. What if I could put them and weave those together where they're constantly be thinking that this is what it looks like to be an intelligent leader, is one who's practicing on a daily basis, leadership skills, emotional skills, emotional skills, leadership skills. That is the thing I want leaders to understand. That's the differentiator, my friend. And then, of course, the seven essential traits that I have in my book that is essential for, for leadership, that they're built upon, which, again, by the way, if you haven't yet gotten a copy of my book and you're wondering, where is that book, Kingsley? But as of this recording in um, April 14th, 2019, the book is just a few more days away. I have gotten the, the proof copies, have kind of gone through that, resubmitted, got some more proof, and now I think I've made a decision on where I'm going with the, the book, the size, the, color, the, the glossy or matte kind of format. That's what I was working on. Semantics, right? But they're important. If I want to present a book that's of high quality, I want to give from the very the experience of holding the book in your hand, reading the book, experiencing the book, everything should be an experience. That's what I want for those of you who read the book, including yourself. As we kind of wrap things up here, and I wanted to really challenge and, and really hopefully provoked you into start thinking about when you use a term or hear the term strong leadership, Find out, what does that mean? What are you trying to say about this person? Let's extend. Let's not be be lazy. Okay, I'm not saying the person is lazy. Let's not behave lazily in just trying to throw two words together and expect that we should now understand what that means. Because it doesn't help those that are being, being led it doesn't help those who want to be a leader who may want to to kind of um, borrow what they see and, and in the admiration of that leader, they want to somehow reproduce themselves after that kind. Well, they need to have more than just the term strong leader. Let's give them the context. I hope this was helpful and this was something that began to provoke your thought process. And that's the whole idea behind this podcast. So would you do me a favor? Would you leave me a rating and a review and 
if you listen to this podcast on iTunes. And there are other players, of course, Google Play, Anchor, Stitcher, Overcast, Apple Podcast. These are ways you could actually listen to this podcast and make sure when you tell someone to listen, just let them know that it's available on those platforms. But would you leave me a rating and review if you're listening to this show on Apple Podcast? I would really, really love that, but the show would be helped because it could be found easier the more feedback is given, comments and ratings and claps, like Anchor allows you to give a clap to show your, your approval of the show. I would really appreciate that. So thank you so much for listening. And remember this, you are one skill away. With that said, my friend, you know the drill. Peace out. God bless. And I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah.